Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Good Grow Great podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is Six Degrees of Greatness. This is the segment where we sit down with two or three different entrepreneurs, business owners, purpose-driven individuals who are really, really making some massive changes in their lives and impact uh, and impacting other people's lives as well in the time being. So today. We are sitting down with Ben Lutz and Parker Stevenson. Now, what's really cool is that these two guys come from very different uh, background and spaces and industry. And this is really one of the things that I really, really, truly appreciate in these kind of dynamic multi-people conversations because you get different perspectives and you have different insights. You have different strategies um, as far as how you can live that kind of harmonious work and life, I think, activities, right? So the first thing that I want to share with you is Ben Lutz. Ben is originally from France and Belgium, and he moved to San Francisco uh, back in September after seven years in Boston. He's been in South Africa. He's very well-traveled and very well into the outdoor space. And so he finally created a company called Cypress Overland. Cypress Overland, of course, uh, is a company where they rent adventure-ready 4x4 vehicles, fully equipped with a rooftop tent, luxury camping gear, and full kitchen or fridge. Uh, So, so exciting. You can bring this down to go surfing. You can cross deserts. um, You can go into the forest and hike in Yosemite, like all the different various uh, places that you've always wanted to visit. But more importantly, Ben is going to drop some valuable insights as well that you guys can adopt and adapt, like I mentioned, into your own business as well. Now, of course, Parker Stevenson is here as well. And Parker is a co-owner and the chief business officer at Evolved Finance, a bookkeeping firm that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs build more profitable and financially stable online businesses. Now, they've been doing this for over 10 years. They support coaches, creators, influencers, thought leaders, right? Um, And helping them to make more sound business decisions using their financial data. Um, So many things that actually came out of this conversation. You have to have to check this out. What's really cool is that Parker spent five years at Adidas America, where he became the U.S. product manager for golf footwear, which was a 50 million a year product category at the time. And what's also even cooler is that he used to be a musician and he opened for artists like Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. And uh, he played shows at BBC Kings in Universal City. So, so many good things uh, if you want to look into diving into this episode. And what's really cool is that Ben is going to be sharing how he pivoted uh, and shifted his offerings, right? To really show up to serve for his niche and how you can do the same and have people line up and wait for what it is that you have to offer. Also, Ben is going to be sharing how he went from surfing and overlanding to really the step-by-step of how he created a business from his hobby and uh, really living his dream, right? We all want this um, in, in, in a great way. If we can definitely make a living or handsomely when um, we do things that we love all the better. Also, Parker is going to be sharing with us many, many things, but one of which is how he went from being an opening musician for Tom Morello to helping people create and plan for their financial 
freedom. One of the things that I'm really passionate about on this podcast is to encourage people to take ownership of their business, of their work, rather than having their business own them and own their time, right? So Parker's going to walk us through step-by-step what that looks like. Also, he's going to be sharing how he helped people navigate and prevent that feast and famine cycle, which is so common in a lot of small businesses, right? And also some top strategies that you can use to help you today get a consistent flow of income. So many, many more things that we are covering in this podcast episode. Now, before we dive in, you guys, be sure to hit that follow, subscribe, add or collect button. Grow Solvers, let's dive in. All right, Ben and Parker, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on. So many goodness that we're going to be talking about. And I thought that we'd start actually with Ben, right? Ben, you have this amazing, amazing concept called Cypress Overland. Um, and it's, of course, it's a four by four expedition vehicle concept. But before we touch on that, I actually wanted to ask you where this passion for the outdoors uh came from? Was it when you were little, you you go surfing? I know that you have uh, really kind of an international background. So can you touch just real briefly how uh, this passion has really, really led you to this business? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for thanks for having us. Uh, excited to, uh, to discuss. Um, so like you said, actually, it's a good starting point, right? Uh, as, as I was little, uh, I, I, I grew up in Belgium, uh, in Flanders, um, which isn't exactly remote. It's one of the densely, most densely populated countries <laughs> in the world. Um, but we did have, uh, you know, where we lived, more countryside part of Belgium. Um, I grew up in the forest, which my dad was into nature. Um, I spent my summers with my little shovel and my axe <laughs> walking around the forest or biking around the forest. So that's kind of has been a beginning that I almost forget about when I think about what I'm doing now, where I live in San Francisco. <laughs> but that is a starting point, absolutely. Um, and well, from there, uh, it's been it's been a passion to get into the outdoors, get into sports has been driving a lot of that, right? So you mentioned surfing, uh, one of my big passions, but also mountain biking, climbing, snowboarding. Um, there is uh, a lot of hiking and, and, and traveling as well. So all of that together, uh, you know, brought us to um, uh, to a point actually in in, in South Africa, uh, where I lived for a year during the final year of my studies. Uh, uh, that's where really, really we I ran into overlanding, the concept of overlanding. Uh, but when you see uh, what overlanding means in in Africa, it means generally really crossing the continent, right? One of the biggest continents in the world. Um, so that autonomy built into your, uh, you know, ability to have that autonomy, right, with your vehicle to live, eat, sleep, uh, travel anywhere um, is, is something that was immediately inspiring uh, to me. Um, and that's maybe really just uh, the, first, uh, the first touch point with overlanding for us. That's amazing. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm big on having people go outdoors. I think it's so, so important. How has, how had that changed just kind of this lifestyle almost, right? How has that really changed the way that you look at your business? I know that, of course, the concept itself is outdoors, but 
Um, are there really ways, because I found that when people have very specific niche and very specific business and, um, and they have a particular philosophy, that usually changes the way that they lead things, that the way that they create a product offering, services, everything, right? Um, anything to that point, Ben, as far as, you know, outdoors and your passion for that informing how you grew your business and how you scale that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, 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 it's it's a young business, right? So we are still very much in, in the process of evolving what we're doing and, and seeing where we are now, uh, which is a, 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 a clear positioning on um, allowing people to explore the outdoors in the most accessible, but also most comfortable way possible. Um, we are not... Well, we are, uh, you know, very much into the overlanding community, the off-road community and the outdoors community in the first place, right? Uh, but what I think we're offering on top of those that have the experience and the means and, and you know, the, the, the knowledge themselves is accessibility for everybody that doesn't necessarily have this. Either they're living in San Francisco, right? And you don't exactly have four vehicles <laughs> that you easily go for one for the weekend, one for the day job. Um, you know, to allow them to rent, right, and to get it from us. But even more so, we're seeing people that are maybe interested, maybe they see just an awesome picture on Instagram from us, get inspired, want to explore, and we want to make that process as easy as possible, right? So we offer the vehicle, everything is included. If requested, food can be included, wood can be included. We really go to a level of detail where this can be full service, Right. And that includes planning. Uh, where do you go? Right. Where shouldn't you go <laughs> at which time of the year? Right. Taking into account conditions. Um, right. Preparing and knowing what roads, which campsites, all of that is part of the service. And we really try to make that, again, a high end experience. You don't need to eat noodles because you're camping. You can have a steak. You can have your rosé. You can have, <laughs> you know, the comfortable things to make this an, an, an outdoors and an adventure. Uh, but really an accessible one. I love this. I think I'm. it's so crucial, I think, to kind of uh, think about your customer journey, like from the perspective of accessibility, right? Just allowing them to, to be so easy for them to just go, yeah, let's do it. And I think this is something that a lot of businesses, young and a little bit more um, advanced, often overlook and maybe they forget. So Parker, I want to go to you next. And I want to ask you because at your concept, as your business um, at Evolved Finance, right, where you help online entrepreneurs build more profitable and financially stable online businesses, do you find that, um, and I'm kind of curious to hear your take on this, because do you find that a lot of people who start an online business um, or any business to that degree, do you find that a lot of times they don't think of it necessarily from the perspective of stability? If so, like, how do you, how do you kind of navigate that? Or because a lot of times when we have uh, people on and we hear about all of these different concepts, they always talk about scaling, they always talk about growth, right? They always talk about all of these other things, and then really forgetting this crucial aspect that um, that you're actually highlighting, which is important, stability. So can you can you maybe expand on that just a little bit? Yeah. Um, first, I just want to say, I think you have the wrong 
business partner here because my business partner, Corey, is an overlander. He has an Instagram account called <laughs> Overland Dad. He gets <laughs> sponsors. <laughs> And uh, he has all these like truck companies sending him gear to deck out all his trucks. So uh, when he goes and listens to this, he's going to be so mad that he's uh, not getting to talk with Ben instead of me. So Ben, I'm going to have to put you in touch with Corey after this because he's very deep in this community. Yeah. Um, But to actually answer your question, Ty, I just couldn't help but mention that. Um, In terms of stability, I don't know if you start a business because you're looking for stability. I think we're all pushing to create businesses that will be stable. Um, but with our clients' businesses, like the online business businesses we serve with our bookkeeping service, they don't have as many overhead expenses versus if you're manufacturing something, if you have to develop something, whether it's software, whether it's a physical product, you have to put money up front, even starting a restaurant, you have to put money up front and chances are you're not going to turn a profit on that for a little while. So you really have to have a game plan around how am I going to support myself financially during this time? A lot of the times our personal finances are going to greatly affect our ability to adapt and, and, pivot being business owners when maybe in the past we were used to receiving a a regular income. Maybe we have to have a full-time or part-time income while we're building our businesses. Otherwise, we just wouldn't be able to make it work. But I do think that the key to running a a stable business is how do we build a business that's going to be profitable as soon as possible? Now, where Ben lives in San Francisco, a lot of startups aren't really concerned about being profitable right from the start. Um, They tend to they tend to be thinking about growth and, and market share and uh, building up the value of the business because they're operating on someone else's money, right? But when it's your money, which all of our clients are operating their businesses, usually self-funded or off of their own credit or, or debt, it becomes super important that they get as profitable as they can as quickly as possible. And luckily with an online business, you don't have all the overhead, maybe more classic businesses would have that getting profitable and getting your business stable is I think a little more simple. So I think it's just really important to understand what's your business model, what type of business are you trying to um, operate? And that's going to greatly decide how much kind of stability you you can expect to have from the early stages of your business. Mm, these are such great points because it really is a case-by-case basis and not only by industry, by category, by niche, but also really the goal of the business, right? There's some some businesses are maybe that's not the focus for a lot of businesses. It is, right? Even if you're a coach, course creator, right? Thought leaders, all of these things. And I'm kind of curious because you landed on this concept, right? And this is what you do now, uh, Parker. But before before this, you had various <laughs> types of interests, including mm-hmm. being a musician out of college. And you even opened for artists like Jurassic 5, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. And you even played a show at BB King's in Universal City. So I found that this is really interesting that you have this kind of left brain, right brain situation. Um, and so why did you leave? Why did you depart from that? Or maybe perhaps not, maybe you're still um, actively uh, in music. Cause I know with, with Ben, for instance, he uh, took a different approach where he really, uh, really just applied some of his interests and passions into the business. So, um, you know, why did you make that, uh, that shift uh, there, Parker? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, ben is kind of living the dream, right? Like get, building a business off of a passion. 
And so I really looked at music as, um, you know, I, really an entrepreneurial experience. Um, and I love my time living in LA, playing music, but what can happen, it doesn't happen for everyone, but it can turn into a grind. And, and honestly, the odds of becoming a professional musician, especially during the time I was playing music, I, you know, I'm a product of the 90s. Um, I grew, you know, went to high school in the mid, late 90s, came into the 2000s while I was in school. I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to play music. And, you know, I'd already been playing music in high school. And, uh, but the whole music model in general just collapsed, right? Like right. Napster kind of changed the scene. Uh, the, the, the idea of getting signed by a record label no, wasn't really there anymore. And bands were having to be more independent. And so after grinding through that and, and just being in it for about as long as I, I guess I could stand, I think for my personality, I kind of realized I love being creative, um, but I also need some stability, right? Like we were just talking about. And so for me, leaving the music industry and going into, I ended up working for Adidas for five years after that um, was kind of my opportunity to get some stability and work in a corporate environment. But then I kind of went and and golf was my passion. I got to work in the golf industry. I I managed um, golf footwear for Adidas golf in the US. I was like the US um, merchandising product manager for golf footwear. Um, and, And it was my golf was my other passion, but I also kind of realized, right, this is kind of more structure than I want. There's more hierarchy here. I don't really feel like I have control over my future. So after having a very entrepreneurial fly by the seat of your pants experience, being a musician, and then getting in a very corporate structured environment, I realized small business was kind of where I wanted to, wanted to be. I didn't have a business idea myself, like, you know, Ben starting this from, from scratch with his business. So my business partner, Corey, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time, his wife is best friends with my wife. They grew up together. I saw what they were starting at Evolve Finance. And I was like, you know, just having conversations with Corey, I felt like my skills, my background would really be able to help them. And, you know, six years later, you know, the business has tripled or quadrupled in size since when we started. But I think my experience having to be scrappy, having to be entrepreneurial, having to learn how to be charismatic and build connections with people as a musician was super helpful. But then also getting to see how a world-class business operates, having to manage a product and see the marketing, the finance, the operations, and all the pieces that come together for um, a world-class company to operate. I think all those things set me up to now, you know, be a partner and, and running a, a, again, a bookkeeping business, which I never thought I'd be involved in, but I found that being an, a business owner, and I'd be curious if Ben feels the same way. I just feel like there's such a creative nature to it because you're trying to build something bigger than yourself. And you have to have a vision of where you're taking your business going forward that I do still think while our business is very, um, you know, tactical and, and, and very numbers based and, and very service based that I still get to use a lot of the creative side of my brain that I was able to develop at a young age as a musician. I love this. I think what's, uh, what's really interesting is that, and again and again, whenever I have people on the podcast, the, it's very evident that you know the skill set that we developed in the past, even if it was a career that we didn't like, right, or something mm-hmm. that we didn't enjoy doing, it really all informed us about how we want to move forward, right? Whether that's in business, work, life, whatever. And um, and it's I love that music kind of occupied that role for you, which I think is phenomenal. Now, I do wanted to touch, uh, before I get back to Ben here, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned in one of your shows back when, when you were a musician, you played a show at BB Kings in Universal City, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned that you got flashed in front of your parents. And for our inter- international audience who's listening, 
uh, maybe just touch on what flash means and then uh, how you kind of bounce back from it and what uh, what that means for kind of just a resilience mindset, right? And so just, yeah, just from a lighthearted standpoint, uh, what that looks like for you, Parker. Yeah, I mean, when you think about being a rock star, you know, you think about, you know, the girls in the front row pulling their shirts up, flashing you and, um, and it's like, it's a rock and roll thing, right? Having groupies and, you know, kind of the sex, drugs, rock and roll of, of being a, a musician when I, you know, as a musician myself and, you know, I was still working a full-time job and, and playing music, I had, you know, music changed a lot since the sixties, seventies and eighties. And so for, for the time we were playing music, you had to have your act together. And our band was a pretty responsible group of dudes. Our drummer went off to be a lawyer. Um, our business manager is a uh, executive. Our guitar player is now an executive. We rocked hard and we loved playing music. But like my parents loved coming to our shows. Um, our drummer and guitar player were brothers. They loved coming to shows. And so this experience that you think is supposed to show you like, oh, you've made it. You're really doing rock and roll. You're playing live shows. People are getting naked. It's getting crazy. And to have this, this woman walk by, lift up her shirt and go, woo, and just like screamed and then just <laughs> no. walked away while my parents were in the crowd. Our, you know, our drummer and guitar player's parents were in the crowd. I remember just being like, Oh, that was not what I was expecting. This this is not the kind of rock and roll experience I was expecting to have. And 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 I was you know I felt kind of embarrassed by it because I'm like, God, my family's here. Have some decency. But you know we're setting up for a show when it happened and all that. And you you just kind of we laughed at it, got our gear set up, played a killer show, and and moved on. And I think sometimes you know it's just kind of like life will throw random things at you. Sometimes you just have to laugh and, and just get back to, to doing what you're doing and move through it. Yeah, this is so such a great point. And a lot of times in our journey, as uh, even just as people in our lives, right, a lot of times things that we thought will be is often not what it is. And there are, it's almost like you can expect the unexpected. I always talk about that on the podcast, which is um, so true, I think, particularly in that situation, which I love, Parker. Now, I am curious because Ben, I mean, you don't have a, a flashing moment, or at least I I hope you didn't, but uh, but it sounded like when you were uh, surfing a lot, or maybe you still do surf a lot, and you, uh, it sounds like you do a lot of kind of uh, desert kind of cross um, cross trips, right? And uh, with no one around for miles and miles, and you uh, sometimes might find yourself in these kind of uh, solitude, right? In situations of solitude and being alone. And I know that from being an active participant in the outdoor community, that um, it is, I mean, it's really liberating. It's great. But oftentimes there is kind of an element of you're on your own, right? You're on your own. And so if something goes wrong, then, okay, then, 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 well, you just have to figure it out, right? Kind of like that 127 hours or seven days, I think it's the movie called with, um, uh, with James Franco, right. Where he kind of got stuck in that, in that little, uh, crevice, I think where, where his hand was stuck and he had to cut his hand off or arm off, if I remember correctly. So, Ben, I'm curious. That's, that's not the experience we target. To be clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, just to be clear, 
just to be clear, that is not what we're recommending at all. And that's not what we're hoping that you guys are doing. But we are curious, though, uh, Ben, because with your 4x4 expedition vehicles um, and all and just kind of living the talk and living the business on your own, for the audience who's listening, who's interested in hearing more about how you can do all of these things for miles, right? And for hours, maybe even days and weeks on your own, what are some of the the kind of maybe surprises that you had in the past? And uh, because what happens is when you are able to overcome some of these surprises, it does inform our work, right? It uplevels it, it upskills it. Anything that comes to mind, Ben, I'm sure since you've been all over the world that perhaps you can share with the audience. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking of, um, I was trying to think of like, what's a single specific, you know, uh, kind of adventure situation. I mean, uh, what's funny is actually because you're talking about solitude and the first thing that comes to mind is, is kind of the opposite. Um, because yes, yeah, solitude is, is part of the experience, right? And it's really also something that, that, that we certainly personally search, talking we, me and my wife, uh, when we go out. Uh, and, and certainly our clients, right? Um, and it's because it's, everybody has a busy, busy day job, right? Uh, and a busy life. And this is really rare today to really get out there, um, which is one of the things of surfing that I love. Even if you're close to the beach, you're in there, you're by yourself, you're looking at the horizon. That's this moment of solitude that really comes back in an overlanding trip in the desert, in the mountains, wherever you are. Um, but that is certainly something that you're searching. Uh, at the same time, one of the experiences that I'm thinking about is is, is when um, you're experiencing some trouble. Of course, we have safety equipment with everything, right? So you have your um, your your uh, Garmin GPS communication device allows you to to communicate wherever you are, which is mandatory for us uh, to to provide this to our clients. Um, we have other safety equipment, right, and running boards and things like that. But you can get just in a situation where, for example, you get stuck, right, in the sand, in the mud, in the snow. Um, and, and really actually one of the, 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 the experience for me that kind of stood out is with all that looking for solitude, right? Um, when you are in trouble, right? Um, it's people, right? That come to your help one way or the other, right? Um, so when, for example, we are in snow, uh, environments, right? You will get stuck <laughs> basically. So we were, um, and it was fairly remote, but, okay, there was uh, some passage and we were lucky in there because we do get situation where whatever the safety equipment and gear we have, and we, by the way, always recommend going into snow, never go alone, as we did, um, so that when we were stuck and we were there, um, soon as people right, are, came by, there is no question about you getting help, right? This is the mission when and you, everybody realizes you're out there, you're out there by yourself, you try to be self-reliant, but when you need to, people are really offering help. People are coming to your help without question, without reservation, as long as it takes um, to solve the situation. So it's funny to start with the solitude point of view, uh, but really coming to this is actually a community that's very strong. And when you're out there, um, you, you, you know, people will find you <laughs> and help uh, you get uh, through some situations. Yes, this is so, so important. I'm reminded of an interview that I was reading um, and listening to when um, Alex Honnold, of course, who scaled the uh, El Capitan in Yosemite free solo, um, hit the world record there. He was free soloing with, uh, with a fellow rock climber and, and she fell 
And it was because of his support and other people around uh, her that uh, that really allowed her to, yes, of course, survive, but um, be able to bounce back, right? And so I think what's what's interesting is that how can we, the question is, how can we push limits in our work, in our life, while also kind of creating that safety environment, right, for ourselves and also for people around us and maybe from other people, which I think is is really, really poignant. And going back to Ben's concept, where, you know, growth of business, growth of work, you do, at some point, that growth can kind of push a certain, you know, break certain ceilings and walls. And the question is, okay, what does, what does that mean at the ground level, right, from the stability standpoint? So, uh, so Parker, I'm kind of curious, because, um, if if people are just starting at their maybe like year one right or maybe even year three or five, and they they know the basics right they have all of their numbers all together. Do you have like a top kind of uh, place or technique perhaps that you can share with the audience from? Okay, this is the approach and the strategy to be financially stable as an online business, and where potentially do you see a most, more, most people get wrong, right? Because a lot of times when they look at that, you maybe they're like, oh, you know, I'm just going to, um, you know, keep a, uh, I guess, an accounting kind of check. And But it's not really like, so talk a little bit more about what that looks like from a ground level if someone is starting out, want to be financially stable, but also want to see that uh, momentum and, and growth. Yeah, I mean, so much of it has to do with, again, you being the business owner, you have to have a vision for the business. No one else is going to do this for you. And the reality is, no matter how heart-centered you are with your business, uh, no matter how uh, how much, you know, if you're just trying to save the, you know, save the world or change the world, and you don't even care about money, the reality is, this is how businesses work. Money has to be a function of it, unless you're already independently wealthy and this is just a fun thing for you to be able to do, then the goal of any business is to make money. And I I really think no matter where you're at in your business, whether you're just getting started, whether you've been in it for a couple of years or you've been operating for 10 years, like we have at Evolve Finance, the reality is we have to have some sort of financial shape that takes place in this business. And the only way to start to see what is what are the financial workings of your business is to start to put it down really in a spreadsheet. And so one of the things I learned in the early, and uh, some of the early stages I had at Adidas, um, I got to work really closely with our sales team and our sales managers and, and executives and, uh, and, and they're world-class salespeople. I mean, really amazing salespeople. And the one thing I, I saw was that every year, every season that we were going into and having to sell the new product line, there was always a clear goal. How much revenue does each sales rep need to generate in order for the company to hit its overall target? And so as business owners, I think one of the first things we need to start to figure out is how much money do I think I can make? And if you've been in it for a year, Maybe you've started to have some experience. You're starting to see how many leads do we have coming in? How many customers are we kind of able to get? And setting these goals for yourself, I think, gives you um, more clarity in your mindset around the business. For instance, if you're if you're thinking like, okay, I just want to get one new client a month, one new customer a month, um, make one sale a month just to begin with, great. By setting that target, what we see our clients tend to end up doing is they 
they take more actionable steps to get to those sales targets. So instead of just going, okay, we're going to make as much money as we can. Well, great. Yeah. Every business wants to make as much money as they can. It, it, it can get so big and so broad that you start to get lost in what activities you should be, you should be working on in your business to generate more revenue. And so when we, when we set clear, more achievable goals, right. And setting a forecast or a sales target for your business, um, we want to always find that, that edge of like, okay, let's do something that's going to be achievable, but also something that's not so easy to accomplish. We don't feel um, like we're really kind of pushing ourselves a little bit and pushing the business uh, out of its comfort zone a little bit. So that's kind of up to you as the business owner to figure out, but setting those sales targets and getting really clear on those sales targets being achievable, then you start to get less distracted with other stuff. Like all these other things that sounded good and sound nice. And maybe there's things you can focus on in your business next year or a couple of years down the road. But right now, all I need to do are these things so I can get X amount of customers a month, right? And so setting those sales targets by month in a spreadsheet, I think is so crucial. And if you're already doing that, then if you can just go through, well, what are my monthly expenses? What am I spending my money on each month? Well, now you have a forecast and a budget. And now you can start to look at, okay, this is how much money I want to bring in. This is how much money I'm expecting to spend each month. And now we can start to plan our profit and we can see, cool, based on the amount of revenue I want to generate, based on the amount of expenses I know we have to take on for this business to work, cool, there's money left over, this business might be able to work, right? And that's ultimately what we need to start to figure out if we do some basic math with the amount of revenue we want to make and the amount of expenses we think we need to take on to generate that revenue, do we have something left over? Because if those numbers aren't working, then we need to change our offer. We need to change the way we think about how we operate the business, right? We have to, we have to pivot and we have to adapt. And I think too many business owners just go, oh, I'll figure it out as we go along and they just wing it. And they don't have this sort of model they're trying to achieve financially that they end up two, three, four years down the road going, wow, like this business is established. I don't feel like I'm making any money or feeling like um, they just don't, they don't feel like they've benefited at all from their business growing. And then that's something I think that as early as possible, if you can get clear on, you're going to make entrepreneurship a lot more enjoyable in the long run. This is great. I think it's worth kind of highlighting and stressing because a lot of times people do forget, right? And they forget that without that clear end goal and without really a, a an objective and subjective in some cases, um, really kind of vision of, okay, what should it look like um, in the books, but also day to day? Like, what should it look like to run something like this uh, without all of that? everything is kind of a, um, a little bit, a little bit murky, you know, and then yes. uh, a lot of times people get pulled in all of these different directions, which I think is um, a little unfortunate. Now we're going to get back to you for a minute, Parker, but I wanted to have Ben weigh in here on speaking of having a clear goal in mind, right. And having a, a clear end game in mind. I know that for a lot of people who are interested in trying something in the outdoor space and trying perhaps an experience that you're sharing, right? The expedition of vehicles that you're sharing. And uh, a lot of times perhaps they think, well, I don't know where to start. Do I just go, you know, buy a bunch of camp gears, like all of these things? Like, I don't know even where are some of the places that I should go. I know that when I was starting out um, in the uh, and just started to go outdoors, it was kind of hard to find the right information because there's just 
everything all over the place. And I didn't know what to pack, which actually makes a huge difference because once you have the right gear, um, perhaps in this case, you're one of your vehicles, Ben, then it, it kind of the experience becomes so much better, right? Like you're not as cold at night. You're, you're not as hungry at certain hours. And, and you actually get to really enjoy uh, certain things that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. I think in some cases, I just could not believe my eyes. So what is your recommendation, Ben, for people who are just kind of entertaining this idea of, I want to be a little bit more active outdoors, like where should they begin um, in addition to looking into your some of your vehicles? But where should they start? Is it like a packing list? Is it like, um, you know, a fitness goal? Where should they start, do you think? Yeah, no, it, it's a very good, it's a very good question, a very common problem. Um, and before I get to that, I want to quickly comment on what Parker said um, because it's 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 so true. I just want to, because obviously we're a business, right? Um, and the the fact that it is a business, right? Even though it's a fun business, um, there is money, and there are goals you need to live off it, right? Um, and 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 I also, you know, uh, worked in corporate, right, um, and environments where, in an executive level, all you do is plan. Right. All you do is looking at forecasts and, and trying to see what's next and where you're going, etc. And even if you have the experience of doing that, even if you know that and can do that, right? Uh, it's such a different environment when you're entrepreneurial. It is indeed more creative because you got to figure things out all the time. But you also have so many more short-term goals and so many more short-term tasks that, like, there's two challenges that I see for for as, as a small company like that is to getting to. The actual planning is one, right? But even if you do, and you know, I made my simulations and looking what it looks like with five vehicles, ten vehicles, what our utilization rate should be, things like that. Um, you still need to impose that somehow, right? You need to know what's realistic and estimate. You need to understand how do you get there, which is all very much infinitely open a question when you're starting. But then you don't have a boss, right? <laughs> Who is keeping you to these things? And I think, Parker, your business makes sense, all right? Uh, this way, I think you have a valuable role, uh, even if it's just having that third-party view, uh, accountability and things like that for a business uh, can, can really make a difference. In terms of the, the, the actually fun part of the business, getting out there. Um, yes, certainly, Talia, like you mentioned, what we are trying to do is take away that level, take away that, that, that barrier, right? Uh, and make sure that you have everything. Um, but I think the main thing I want to say to people, right, to thinking about getting out there, um, material is going to make things more comfortable, right? Think about your basics, right? Think about shelter, think about food, water, um, right? And mobility, right? How and where do you need to get and how do you get there? And really stop there. <laughs> Try to see you got some things covered, right? And depending on your level, right? Don't go for, you know, uh, getting into the Sierras at winter. Um, go for a campsite, right? Go for something that's also accessible, right? Don't make it too hard on yourself. Don't overthink it. Just get out there. Um, with very basic things, you can do that, right? Again, we're super equipped and it's super high-end material. And that makes everything so much easier. Can you just walk up to us and do a Dead Valley adventure, right? But if you are doing it yourself, um, with a cooler, right, instead of a fridge, with a small gas burner stove instead of a fully equipped kitchen, uh, and with a ground tent and a sleeping bag, 
you can drive to reasonably accessible spaces and have the experience and a camping experience just in less extreme environments, maybe less uh, comfortable, but still absolutely feasible, right? Um, and, and, and get out there. When you get out there, you'll experience things. You'll realize what you need, what you don't have, uh, right? And where you should uh, invest and, and, and grow. And we do that as a company, right? We are out there ourselves all the time. And that's where we get ideas, right? That's where we realize equipment should get improvement, things we need to add. Um, I say, and the last thing I would say is like, there is a limit, right? At some point, yes, you can have your, you know, additional solar panel to play your stereo while you're out there. But do you need that? Is that what the adventure is about, right? <laughs> You've got to draw the line somewhere as well. For, for me, it would be, Ben. It would be about as many amenities as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing your house with you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm well, sure and exactly. I was going to say, there's a point where it becomes a trailer, right? <laughs> it's not an overland. <laughs> exactly. I think that's probably more what I'd be looking for. But, um, but no, I, I, I just to kind of add to what you're saying, Ben, I, th- I know my business partner, Corey, again, who's going to be like listening to this and wanting to probably jump in. Uh, you know, I've seen him. He just how he's got into overlanding and camping and being outdoors and all this kind of stuff. You know, it it didn't just happen overnight. It was this, you know, just kind of trying it out, moving into it and just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it as he got more and more joy from it. So I think just like anything, you just start, just go, just try, just get started and see where it goes. Yeah. I'm loving that. I mean, I think a lot of people overthink uh, actually both sides of what you were talking about, both, you know, how to get started um, in, in the space of, you know, the outdoor space, but also how to get like your in your space, Parker, how to get that financial stability. I think people just want to jump straight to just a hundred percent amazing solution. And then, uh, oh, well, there are all these steps in between that you do have to, to take, but knowing uh, a little bit about your limit and also knowing uh, where what's kind of good enough, right? Where can you start with where it's good enough? Let's try this. And then we'll, we'll course correct, I think is, is really, really key. I know that when I, you know, start going outdoors, it really was a matter of building up kind of like Corey Parker. And uh, yeah, next time we'll have to have him on. But, uh, but yeah, it is kind of like a buildup. But, uh, but there are certain things that I noticed that you know, I, I do like that um, there are certain things that I feel like are my favorite approaches to any of these, both of these two things that you're talking about. For the outdoors, uh, outdoor space, I think the attitude that a lot of people come into is, is, is are very, it varies, right? But I have like f- some top, I guess, favorite approaches and mindset into approaching this space and how you can be involved and in really enriching your life in a meaningful way. Um, one of which is really just from perspective of okay it's experience right rather than expecting it to look a certain way um, that oh if I go out there I'm going to have xyz experience or you know abc pictures or whatever but rather from just having this uh, open-minded I guess welcoming experience to to what we're about to embrace and similar to you Parker I think some of my favorite ways um, that people approach the idea of having financial stability is really having yes that clear goal that you touched on of course 
amazing, right? But also having the understanding that, uh, you know, sometimes we do make the these goals and projections uh, without having all the information, and then you do have to course correct. Parker, I'm kind of curious what you have seen in your space, maybe from some of your clients. What is your favorite, um, uh, some of maybe the favorite top technique that people have used to create this financial stability in, in their business and perhaps their online business? Anything that comes to mind, Parker? So, so ultimately, when we talk about a financially stable business, the start of your business is not going to be financially stable. We can plan. You can have savings put aside to give yourself a runway to get the business going and get it up and going. So when we talk about financial stability, the first thing we need is we need regular revenue. That doesn't mean um, necessarily every month needs to be consistently the same amount of money. Like for instance, with our clients, a lot of our clients will will have run promotions throughout the year well, the, where they will have huge influxes in their revenue one month. And then you know some people will maybe be on payment plans or, or whatever it may be. So we'll get some recurring revenue after that for a couple months. And then they'll do a promotion again, and then their sales jump up. And, and that kind of um, spikes and valleys is, is pretty uh, normal, at least in our space. And I think for most other business models, there's going to be some fluctuations throughout the year. But, it's the, but that's the idea. It's like, are we generating consistent revenue on a yearly basis? So making sure that you know, as business owners, we're putting the marketing and sales strategies in place to keep money coming into our businesses on a regular basis. And we could talk for another two hours, I'm sure, between the three of us about you know what small businesses need to be doing from a marketing and sales standpoint to get there. But again, knowing your market, knowing your customer, knowing your offer, um, knowing your value, the value proposition of your offer, um, all those things are, are going to be key in getting you to a place where you're connecting with your target market, um, you're finding the people who are interested in your offer and getting them to convert into sales more and more often. But once we have those sales, which all of our clients are coming to us for bookkeeping, when they've already, you know, our clients have to be generating $100,000 or more a year in top line revenue in order to even start working with us. So they've kind of figured that out. So then the next piece is, are we getting financial data? Are we getting a financial scorecard every month? And that's really what bookkeeping does. So what a lot of, again, startups and new businesses are doing is just going, oh my God, I need to go create, I need to generate revenue. And and that should be your focus because again, otherwise your business is just a super expensive hobby. But once revenue is coming in, now we have all these financial transactions that are happening in our business that if we're not paying attention to them, then we don't really know, is our business profitable? Are we making the right decisions? in our business. Because again, regardless of of where your strengths are, if you're a strong salesperson, strong marketing person, strong operations person, whatever it may be as an entrepreneur where your superpowers are, we still have to be making decisions from a, how is this going to affect the bottom line of the business? How is this going to affect the financial health of the business? So that's where we come in, help our clients, whether they're a $100,000 a year business or a $10 million a year online business, just help them to start to get clarity around, okay, how profitable are we on a month-to-month basis, on a year-to-date basis? Where are we spending the majority of our revenue on expenses? Which expenses do we need to be paying attention to? And we're not going to get these insights without having someone managing and organizing the financial data in, in a business. And that's really the role of bookkeeping is to help a business see how is money moving in and how is money moving out 
of my business. And if we can start to understand that, and, and the main financial report that helps business owners understand this is called the profit and loss statement. If we are consistently looking at our profit and loss statement each month, then we're getting feedback. We have a scorecard that's telling us, great, sales look good. You're managing your expenses. Keep up the good work, do more of that. Or maybe it's going, ooh, sales aren't, we're not hitting our sales targets. We need to generate more revenue. Or, ooh, there's a certain expense that's starting to kind of get out of control and we need to figure out how we're going to tackle that going forward. But if we're just operating based on, well, I got money in the checking account, I guess we're doing okay. Like, there's only so long you can do that before we need to have more strategy and we need to have more visibility into what are the numbers and what is the data in our business telling us. And once we start, number one, get that data consistently, right, by having a bookkeeper that understands our business models, that really knows how to manage the financial data in our businesses, and then get us that data on a regular basis. That's step one, but then step two is as the business owner, if, if, if our bookkeepers are giving, this, giving us this information, are we actually looking at it? Are we actually paying attention to it? Or are we just putting our heads in the sand because we feel like it's, it's too scary or too intimidating or whatever it may be? And the reality is the financial stuff for a small business is really not that complicated. All of our clients are able to wrap their heads around it very quickly. But if we're not looking, if we're not paying attention, our businesses will never feel financially stable, will never feel like we're really getting the benefit out of our businesses that we want. Because even if you're making a lot of money, you're never going to feel sure that it's okay for you to be spending the money, for you to be paying yourself. Um, and, and that's just like that nebulous area financially of operating your business is just never very fun. And the only way to fix that is to just actually look at the numbers and make sure we're taking the financial aspects of the business seriously. Okay. So I love, I mean, you touched on so many great points. And I, I think one of the highlights for me that you had just touched on is the attitude of it's not just numbers and looking at what goes in, what goes out, but it's also information, right? Data and also just kind of almost hints as to how to move forward or not move forward with certain things. So I think approaching this, uh, looking at your figures from the perspective of, okay, this is information that can tell us something. And what is it telling us? And what are we going to do about it or not do about it? And I think your point on observing it and actually looking at it, I know a lot of people, I used to kind of similar to you, Parker, I used to uh, work with corporate groups and some corporate groups would kind of approach me when they want my help and they go, yeah, you know, we're doing great. We're doing awesome. And I'm like, great, let's take a look at it. Um, and then when they actually get down to the numbers, I was like, oh, no, that's not great at all. You know, it's not, <laughs> that's not really that great. Um, and so it's kind of interesting how I think people sometimes get blinded uh, by certain information that's in front of them, right? And I'm kind of curious to hear what you think, Parker, in just a second after I circled back with Ben, um, why, you know, how to kind of, if you are even working with a, you know, a bookkeeper or somebody who handles it, how to kind of stay objective, right? So just uh, kind of hold that thought for a minute. But Ben, I want to get to you and ask you in, in terms of like getting information and knowledge just from doing things, right? From actually progressing your business. I know that for a lot, a lot of businesses, when they start doing something, right? Creating their concept, uh, pushing it out there, people are starting to buy it, etc. A lot of times there's kind of like a paradigm shift that's happening. And, and you start to notice that a certain modal point when you go, oh, 
uh, I thought it was going to be like this or we're, that we should be doing it this way. But then it turns out people are wanting it to be, you know, X, Y, Z instead. Was there ever a moment like that, Ben? In I know that this is the early nascent of your, um, of your concept, but still, that's actually when a lot of these things happen. Do you ever encounter, or maybe recently or in the past, um, something where you go, oh, I, we thought that we, we, we would be offering a full uh, service offering for, you know, with, with everything all included, but turns out people only want, you know, one, two, three things instead. Uh, anything like that that comes to mind, Ben, and how do you overcome it for the audience who's listening, who perhaps is in the same position, uh, perhaps in the same space, who's looking for uh, to you for inspiration? Inspiration. No, no, absolutely. I think there's something like seven iterations, right, of an idea that on average be, be, becomes successful. Uh, and, and we are indeed still early um, and, and going through a lot of that, right? The, 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 the lot of discussions right now and the strategies, um, uh, which include the financial questions and, and, and choices around that, are on where to invest in, right? Uh, what direction to go. And, and for us, that's things like, um, you know, going uh, to broader audience, right? Families, um, going into more activities, sports focus, um, you know, more guided kind of the safari style experience, right? Um, general expansions, <laughs> there's other cities uh, to expand too. Um, but I think already we've seen some of that. Yeah, uh, I think as we started, um, the idea is to, to provide adventure, right? Uh, and really get out there. Um, what was basic, simple uh, equipment, right? And, and the fairly straightforward, do-it-yourself, you know, here's the vehicle approach um, has grown into already more of the full service, right? Uh, accompanying and getting way more into luxury experience, right? Because we're realizing like people that are going for hardcore, rugged adventure, they have a vehicle. <laughs> they, they do this, right? You don't have to provide things um, as much, right, for them. Um, so what we are catering to indeed and what we're shifting towards is making that sure that the people um, can really do that at a different level of comfort. We get hardcore over uh, off-roaders, right? Uh, but an off-road vehicle isn't an overland vehicle, right? There's compromises you need to make. Uh, and even if they do, um, there's a level of equipment that we invest in, right, that they have, they don't, that won't. Um, or they want to bring their friends, right? But a lot of it, again, like we said, is, is people that want to experience it, want to explore um, and families right now. That's kind of a second pivot. We expected kind of, you know, the couple, uh, two friends uh, type of adventure. Um, we're seeing a lot of demand for families, right? Smaller and, 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 and mid-sized <laughs> because then it becomes hard for the vehicles. But, you know, families, two kids, three kids, um, and this is our next thing. We're investing right now in a gladiator concept, right? Which is our next vehicle. Um, basically the Wrangler with a, with a pickup bed um, to allow us to put more equipment, allow us to put a bigger tent so we can accommodate families of four, right? Um, so yeah, you're constantly shifting and pivoting and, and seeing how actually, um, you know, uh, where the market demand lies. Absolutely. Amazing. That is kind of interesting, right? When you mentioned that the origin, the origin thought was that young couples would be into it. But I mean, I can resonate with you. I mean, I'm, I'm a family. I have 
a couple of kids and we do all of those things all the time. And you're absolutely right. I think it's mostly because we want to create an experience for the kids and create memories that wouldn't have otherwise happened um, anywhere else. I mean, we can go to the beach vacations, all of these other things pre-COVID, of course, but it was um, it just doesn't have the same level of uh, almost education for them, which is interesting and the same level of bonding because you are again you're out in this in, in open and just this magnificent and beautiful beautiful places and you just can't get that in other places right so parker i wanted to circle back with you on the question that i asked you about uh what uh you know what what you think about um kind of uh, the shifts and things that maybe are unexpected any kind of thoughts there parker um just shifts in terms of like what your customers want and how your business model is going to take shape. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think what Ben is going through is like a perfect example of like, I think a lot of business owners go into their businesses and, and I think this is a testament. This is something I actually wanted to mention um, earlier, but I just didn't want to interrupt, but I, I think it's really interesting that Ben has kind of a bigger corporate background as well. Um, I've been sneaking on his LinkedIn and looking at it as well, Ben. So I apologize for snooping while you're being interviewed here, <laughs> but especially being in a high level of leadership, having had this level of responsibility, this level of planning that, I just think there is val. There's so much value in being part of an organization that's already established to see their systems and their processes, and to see um, high-level leaders as well, how they operate and how they create structure around their businesses. So I, I do think that um, you know something I just wanted to touch on is I think that even if you have a business idea you want to get off the ground, there is value still in working in another organization, working for someone else temporarily. Even if you're you know you're young and have aspirations of entrepreneurship, I, I don't think it's um, it's a surprise that like, I'm not going to be shocked to hear, you know, a couple years from now that Ben's business has blown up because I think his experience working for a, a bigger organization is probably going to help him as he, he, he gets this, this new business off the ground. But I think what, you know, a lot of business owners think about those, they go, Oh, I have this vision of what this business is going to be. And this is it. And then they put their offer out there and the market goes, eh, like, Okay, yeah, like, but I don't really want that. And then, as the business owner goes, but I thought that's it seems so perfect in my head, and the market will tell you if it's perfect or not. And I think that's why, in the early stages of your business, you do have to be ready to adjust to the demands of, of your market. And we found with our clients, the more they can niche down to a very specific market, um, the better. For instance, we have um, a client that does. Uh, has a course and, and a program on how to do a very specific type of um, quilting. Now, it's not just let me teach you all about quilting. It's literally a very specific type of quilting that they teach. And their business is, I mean, from when we started working with them to where they're at now, has just blown up. Now they tried some offers and tried to go at some, you know, take some different angles along the way, kind of like what I think it sounds like Ben's doing right now where, all right, do we want to go after families? Maybe that's not working really well. Maybe it's a little bit of a different market, still targeting this, the overland community or people who are interested in overland. But in the early stages of our business, we need to be flexible. We need to be malleable um, to adjust to what is the market telling us. And then once the market is telling us like, Ooh, this works. And we're starting to get some, um, get some momentum going and, and we're starting to see that our, our sales are increasing and we're getting more interest in our offer. 
that's when we start to double down on it and we stop, you know, we, we, especially as small businesses, we can't afford to experiment forever and we can't afford to have these huge offerings and these, these huge product lines. We have to be as targeted as we possibly can. And I don't say that because it's something I've read and some other business coach told me it. I see it over and over again in our clients' businesses. The sooner our clients know who their target market is exactly, where to find that target market, and they have an offer that solves that problem as clearly and efficiently as possible, their businesses blow up. They just, their revenue expands, their profit tends to go along with it because they don't have these overly complex businesses where they're just trying to do too many things in the business at once. Instead, they have a clear product strategy or offer strategy that makes it easy for them and their teams to execute on that delivers great results for their customers. And and, and they can be really clear with their marketing and, and communications and, and their messaging to their audience because it's so clear who they are, what they do, who they do it for, and why those people should trust them instead of somebody else. And and I know I'm kind of making it sound oversimplified, but that's why, yes, we need to experiment. We need to pivot. We need to adjust. But eventually we have to double down on what's working because as small businesses, we just can't afford to try to do too many things too fast and too soon in our businesses. Otherwise, we're just not going to be able to afford to do it. This is so, so true. Parker, all of the things that you are mentioning, I hope everyone who's listening are taking notes. And it's, I think it's worth reminding because we touched on these topics, you know, Ben's what Ben talked about, what Parker talked about um, throughout the podcast. And I think um, it's so easy, though, to forget some of these fundamental, and they're called really fundamental because a very good reason, right? Because they create uh, the building blocks to all of the other things. Like if we don't get these things right, um, all of the things in the future can easily crumble. And that's not really the goal. I'm a huge proponent of people really, truly actually owning the business rather than the business owning them and running them. I think too many, too many uh, amazing, skilled, well-intentioned entrepreneurs and business owners end up being owned by their business. And that's not really the goal. So if, you know, just highlighting some of the things that you said, Parker, and some of the things that you're saying, Ben, uh, I think is is worth reminding every day, really, that some of these things uh, are important. Now, I want to touch real quick and, and go back, Ben, to uh, something a little uh, a little bit more kind of on the orientation of the outdoors again and um, and and how perhaps outdoors have really changed maybe your life in, in, in a meaningful way. Like, I know that for me, Doing so, you know things like keeping the finances that Parker had um, had mentioned beautifully really does give me that freedom to do pretty much everything, anything that I wanted to do, like going outdoors whenever I want, which is so cool. And going outdoors actually, in turn, gave me just a very rich experience of okay, how do I test my endurance limits, but also have a really great experience at the same time right? Memories that I couldn't have otherwise created in other spaces. How has the outdoors, um, you know, really, have the, how, how, how has it really changed your life? Um, and maybe how it can also change uh, other people's lives who, who are listening. And if they're not yet, um, trying to be more active and going outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's, 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 it's great that you have that experience yourself, because um, I think a lot of people haven't. 
right? Uh, and a lot of people feel like they are, um, it's not for them, right? Uh, it seems like, again, this big, uh, scary uh, outdoor space, right, that they don't know, haven't grown up with, um, and, and, and doesn't really feel accessible, right? Um, but it's, it brings you so many things, right? You, first of all, it, you don't have to live in the vehicle, right, forever. It's not something that now you give up your life and you live off twigs and branches, right? You, no, you are just doing this experience as a hobby, uh, as a trip, right? Just like any other, uh, you know, weekend or holiday, right, um, or vacation. So um, it, it, it is different in a sense that it is so rare right now to step outside of kind of fixed boundaries in our life. Um, in most people's lives, um, in, in in what they're doing, there's always an organization, there's always boundaries, there's always structure, which is great, which you need, right, in your day-to-day life and as running a business, as, uh, as Parker was pointing out. But to be able to get away from that, um, really with overlanding, for me, you know, there's the getting away from things, solitude, but one of the very unique things that there are very, very few other um, uh, things that I have experienced that bring that is to have that freedom to not plan. You plan your overall trip, obviously. You plan your equipment before you get it from us. But once you are out there, once you're there, right, you can go, you can stop, you can explore, or you can sleep. You can rest. You can really do this being fully autonomous. It is something that's hard to explain, but to experience that, to feel like you can go anywhere, from where you are right now and do whatever at that point you yourself as a person need, it is an incredibly healing experience and it's incredibly balancing. And for me, I wouldn't have survived without (laughs) being able to have those elements in my day-to-day life and environment. This is so great. I think uh, it is worth mentioning that part of the experience is, you know, uncovering the journey and uh, and just having that uh, open-minded attitude in in that yeah certain things can can really uh, uncover itself in a in a different way. I know I remember I went outdoors and we went to this really remote area where they have these kind of um, uh, cliff dwellings. It's part of if you guys don't know what cliff dwellings is, it's basically uh, I guess pre maybe not prehistoric but historic. Uh, areas and and walls, vertical walls, where people carve out caves where they can sleep and and hang out ages and ages ago, which is so cool. Um, and I remember we went we went there just for education purposes. We're like, oh, it'd be cool to see it. You know, it's gonna be awesome. When we got there, there were these like four black bears. Uh, so two two of course the two parents and then the two babies, and. My heart was pounding. My heart was racing. It was like I, that was my first uh, one of my first actually. Since then, I've encountered two other, um, you know, groups of bears, and um, it was so so. I mean, it sounds like it's it'd be something that's you know out there, but it actually was really. I'm so glad that we encountered that experience. Really, really, really cool, um, which is amazing. So I'm I'm so glad that you get to share, Ben what uh you know how it changed your life and how it can also change you know other people's lives now parker i'm curious to hear how your business perhaps have changed your life because i think part of the joy of creating something that we believe in is that on the other side you get to do things that you enjoy right so what are some really great things that you've enjoyed about what you do parker yeah i mean 
like I said, I've been very fortunate to get to chase two passions. I got to uh, be a musician. I got to be in the golf industry because strangely enough, while I was a musician, I grew up playing golf my whole life and it was kind of the sport um, I really connected to. And so I think a lot of people are always kind of confused. So you run a bookkeeping firm now? Like how, how does, how does that work? But I found at least with uh, some of the wisdom maybe I've gained, you know, over time and, and having all these different experiences is that for me, what's important to me is number one, I love working from home. I love being able to work with um, other people around building something instead of being in a corporate environment where we're just maintaining something that's already there. I love the creative process of building. I love the process of connecting with others. I really love being a leader. Um, I love being able to employ people. Um, and I love just the journey of like problem solving and figuring things out and knowing that we're doing so not only for, for myself, but for my business partner, who's one of my closest friends and his family is pretty much family to us. And then our team who we feel very connected to and getting to see our team grow and, and um, just step into roles of leadership as we build hierarchy in our business and, and then just getting to do the work we do for our clients. And I think, you know, 15 years ago, if you told me I'd be doing bookkeeping work and granted, I don't do bookkeeping anymore. Um, I, I just would have thought that there's no way I'm going to do that. That sounds so boring. That's not what I'm into. I want to go play music and, and all that stuff. But what I found is for me, I love being of service to other people. I love the impact our work does on our clients' businesses who were very fortunate to get to work with a really diverse group of people. We work with a lot of female-owned businesses um, as well as a lot of people of all sexualities and races and backgrounds. And getting to see them be successful and knowing that our team is, is, is part of that journey and helping them to, to be more successful as small business owners um, is just so rewarding. And I, I, my um, uh, business coach we're working with, um, he calls himself a humanist. And I, and I kind of realized that I think I'm a bit of a humanist as well. I love connecting with other people and I love being able to make an impact on other people's lives in a positive way. And I just feel like, you know, running a small business has just been one of the most fulfilling ways I've been able to do that uh, beyond any of my other experiences I've had uh, getting to where I'm at right now. Amazing. All of everything that you're saying, Parker, and everything that you're saying, Ben, I think will really truly resonate with our audience. I think each of you guys are doing amazing work. I cannot wait to see what else is coming and in, in store for you guys in the coming years. It's going to be so, so great. You guys do check out Ben's and uh, Parker's links. I'm going to be sharing it in the show notes, but I'm going to ask Ben actually to, and Parker to please share where else can people learn more about you and, uh, and we'll wrap up the interview. So Ben, let's start with you and then we'll go to Parker next. So yeah, we're on uh, Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we have our website. So you can find us uh, under Cypress Overland uh, on um, on the Instagram uh, or cypressoverland.com, our website. Uh, it gives you an idea uh, very well of, of the type of uh, environments you can find yourself in uh, and the types of uh, equipment, vehicle, everything we provide in terms of services. Amazing. How about you, Parker? Where can people learn more about your amazing work? It's really simple. Evolved 
evolvedfinance.com. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-D, evolvedfinance.com. Um, I, I have a podcast there as well where I talk a lot about the behind-the-scenes aspects of, of running a successful online business, obviously touching on some of the financial stuff there. So if you're, you're interested in learning more about this part of your business, I encourage you to check out our podcast, The Bottom Line by Evolve Finance. And then on our website, we also have a, a free workshop where we give away a free budgeting tool for your business and a free budgeting tool for you personally, for your personal household. And, and the workshop just takes you through how to start to build um, better, like a better financial foundation for, for your business as well. Amazing, you guys. This had been an amazing conversa- a conversation. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us today. You guys, I'll be sharing all of the information for both Ben and Parker in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. Now, before we go out, be sure to also hit that follow, add, collect, or subscribe button because we're going to be coming up with more information, more value from various, various uh, different people from various walks of life. Now, for that, Grow Solvers, let's keep growing. Thank you.